Hello and welcome to Feel No Shame, a podcast created to normalize conversations around the subject of suicide. The Feel No Shame podcast does not endorse or encourage suicidal behaviors or deliberate self-harm. Instead, we promote open and safe discussion around suicidal thoughts and feelings as well as how to manage them. If you are affected by anything we talk about on today's podcast and feel like you need somebody to speak to, please call the Samaritans any day, any time on 116-123. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email feelnoshamepod at gmail.com or follow feelnoshamepod on Instagram and Facebook. Take care and enjoy the episode. Today's episode of Feel No Shame, it's the final episode of the first series. Both Roman and I, and as you can tell, it's Al introducing episode eight. And just to let you know, Roman and I have been so thankful to all the listeners and viewers taking time out of your day, out of probably your busy, hectic days, uh, to, to listen to us or to watch us. It's been, uh, it's been emotional, so thank you. To confirm, I'm just going to introduce this episode um, as it's me talking to Rowan himself. As I say, we both started off doing this venture together. It's quite fitting we end it together, only for this series. Hopefully, fingers crossed, any commissioners out there, or indeed us, if we want to do it again, we will for series two. As said, it's Rowan's time to talk. It's his story. He talks about his depression thoughts and feelings that went through his mind at a very uh, poignant time in his life and the turning point in that moment of uh, making decisions for him what was most important to him how did he remove himself from the suicidal thoughts that were plaguing him and I was along for that journey we talk in detail about that and it was just lovely sitting down with him uh, reminiscing about what went on over the last uh, over the last few years so wherever you are sit back or stand up lean against the wall whatever you want to do and enjoy the final episode of series one of feel no shame i love the shirt by the way i love the shirt thank you last one last one and we're live and it's live um yes we've come full circle haven't we it's the mm. long yeah this the... is going to be the last one maybe ever definitely of the series that's the only certainty death taxes and that this is the only last episode of this series superb episode eight a robberance mm. with the eight mm. uh we've come full circle because it started off with two lads chatting and it's going to end with two lads chatting um but it's not about me tonight no. Oh, no. It's all about you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It um, always has been, Al. It always has been. This is it. The shop window. The shop window is is showing off his his, uh, his beautiful soul tonight. I think he's going to... He's not going to bear all. He's only going to tease us. He's only going to... It's like a peep show in the 1800s for, for Rowan tonight. <laughs> he, he's, he, no, 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 I'm trying to make it dramatic you know you're, you're gonna... that's the episode description sorted yeah. anyway it's like a peep show in the 1800s yeah it well it's trying to depict you're not going to bear all and go huh. you're going to basically go huh, this is me mm. 
Yeah, it's going to be classy, hopefully. It will be yeah. tasteful, exciting cool. and tasteful. Of course. And a disclaimer to all, you know, we are going to talk uh, about about suicidal thoughts. We are going to talk about um, depression. Uh, we're going to basically talk about uh, things that I, I've seen Roe go through, um, being a friend. But I didn't see it all um because i live far away um but as i say it's up to it's up to row um how how far down the rabbit hole he wants to go so dear listener or dear viewer please attend carefully this is going to be a good one i'm looking forward to it i've been thinking about how to start it how to talk to you uh row tonight but i think it's i'm I'm just going to say a few things but you're going to you're, you're going to run with it um because I don't want to edit too much, but anyway. Uh, but no, uh, so I think for me, as a friend, you're right there, sipping. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, as a friend, I I thought our friendship was was always strong at the beginning, anyway. But I think it it opened up for me when you actually it was at I, I know I've mentioned it before, but it was at a friend's wedding, and you just we were just kicking a ball about, and then you started talking to me about. Oh, you know, I've 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 had this happen to me in my life. I've had that happen to me in my life, and I thought, wow, he's never actually confided with me about that sort of stuff. You've never been closed off, but you only allow certain people into your inner circle. That's what I've noticed as as a friend watching on. Mm. Um, but it's it's it, it's lovely that you know you've decided to talk about certain things. Um, and I will hand over the mic. I'll hand over the the ball to you, um, as Boris Johnson would say. Um, yeah, no. Uh, how 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 do we start, Ro? Because as I say, this is just a a riff, really. And I just yeah, to, where, does it go, where does it start? And we go from there. Well, just um, just a couple of points on what you've said so far is that my long term memory, <laughs> I think, can be a bit wavy so i have no memory of that wedding at oh. all and have no memory of talking to you at that wedding but i know that i did and i know yeah. that it would have meant a lot to me and that it meant a lot to you Definitely. and in terms of the inner circle i think so there's a before breakdown bb and then after breakdown ab huh surname um, very good so bb um i i my inner circle in terms of people that i would speak to about deep emotional things was the size of a five pence piece maybe I'd that. I'd agree and that's that. that's through no fault of the people around me at all i think it was largely down to not having the emotional literacy not having had the experience really of opening up for a number of different reasons um just not really knowing what was going on with me a lot of the time and even I'm not going to say BB and AB I've annoyed myself just by saying it already so I'm just going to say before breakdown it, it saves no time so before breakdown I um I was wasted half, like, 30 seconds <laughs> just, just describing how much I didn't like the abbreviation but before the breakdown I'd have bad days every now and again and I had a bad month at one point and I just put it down to the weather or the job that I was working in at the time, I would just find reasons and then I kind of just roll with it. And I yeah. I still feel pretty bad, but not really do anything about it. Um, and I think I'd have like really empty spells at times as well, where I didn't feel particularly bad, but I didn't really feel anything. 
And I quite often felt on the outskirts of things. Um, some of it by choice. So I can be deliberately, <laughs> what's the word, Al? Just deliberately stubborn, just to the point where I didn't I'd say buy that. Yeah. yeah. Just, well, not, not, not standoffish, but just uh, direct or abrupt. Just but, for, but for no reason yeah. other than than doing it. Like I didn't buy an iPhone for about 10 years because everyone kept going on about them. And if, if they were the best thing in the world, I still wouldn't have bought one. People I, would tell I, me to watch things. Oh, you should watch Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. No, yeah, no I remember. I'm not should... going to because you've told me to. You should watch Walking Dead. I prefer the comics. <laughs> you know, no. I, I would be deliberately um, uh, stubborn. I think obstinate is a word, oh. but check it up afterwards. Check it out, because if it's not right, then it's a real shame. But if it is right, then I Sounds think that's the, the word. So I would be on the outskirts. I'd be deliberately on the outskirts. I'd feel empty. I'd feel bad sometimes. And I'd, I'd not really talk to anyone about it. So, um, again, not through any fault of anybody's. It, it just wasn't what I did. And then I trained to become a counsellor. And we had to do some therapy as part of our training. And I remember going to those hours and I did enjoy it I did enjoy sitting there much like I'm doing now just talking about myself I really did enjoy it and I got some things out of it and I remember when I finished the counselor I was working with said it's a real shame that you're finishing now I think that there's quite a lot of things that that we're not talking about that are probably really important and I took that into account and then still ended and thought see ya <laughs> probably never see you again mm. and then I carried on um carried on working carried on living um got married had two kids um started what i thought was my dream job um which is still my dream job now but i was working for an organization as opposed to myself and there were big differences mm -hmm. for me and it, it just got to a point and this was um this was not too long ago but not not extremely recently either still close enough in my memory to still kind of feel some of the feelings and to remember vividly some of the memories but to also be in the sort of oh my word did that really happen that sort of I don't know like a dream like was that a film or was that actually my life Truman like that kind of stage yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, it got to a point in a nutshell it got to a point where I was very very overwhelmed and had nowhere to take that overwhelm several different things were going on all at once mm. and the way i describe it is that my brain just exploded um and i can still remember that no i can't remember the moment vividly i could kind of remember the days after where um i started tentatively speaking to people about what i was going through and just doing a lot of crying yeah doing a lot of nothing um but thinking constantly thinking and thinking and thinking and someone actually told me at the time this is something you can't think your way out of and i would think about that <laughs> I, i think well maybe i can think my way out of this again i think maybe that was that stubbornness but mixed with desperation this time yeah so it really felt like there were huge stakes um and essentially my life was at stake my livelihood was at stake my future was at stake my my reputation 
And I say that not so much through the eyes of other people, but my own reputation in my eyes and how I thought other people would perceive me. Um, Again, in a nutshell, without getting into too much detail, it very quickly got to the point where I was starting to wonder if life was worth living. I started to wonder if I would just continue to just make mistakes and make mistakes and have all these really good things that I'd always wanted and jeopardize them by doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, um, just assuming that I had really bad luck or that I was just, I don't know, cursed sounds a bit dramatic, but um, but just feeling like bad stuff just just kept happening to me. And, and to some extent, I was a magnet and I was uh, instigating or encouraging that. Um, so I'd have the, the kind of thoughts that life wasn't worth living. I'd start feeling like I was disappointing a lot of people both uh, professionally and personally, and particularly with regards to my family. I felt like I was letting them down. I felt like I was not the person that I once was. Um, I I quickly became hopeless and the overwhelm just carried on. Um, I felt very ashamed. And um, again, that sort of encouraged me to not open up to people. and to seek help and to to basically let people know what I was going through. And again, no fault of anybody else's. It was a very alien situation for me. And I didn't really know how to describe it, even if I wanted to. Um, let me take a sip. Sip away. So it is safe to say it, rock, it rocked you to, to the very core. Uh, I know mm. that, that that phrase I've been hearing quite a lot. Um, you know, over the past few days due to what's going on with sport and so on. But it did, it rocked you to the core. Um, and I think a, f- uh, a few days in uh, at that point in your in your life where I came over to see it, you were very emotional. You were, mm. you, you were, um, dare I say, you weren't the person I thought you were, if that makes sense, you know, but you, you obviously are. Um, but it was a side I'd never seen before. And it was actually, it was actually quite a welcoming sign to see, bloody hell, he is actually emotional, you know, and he's not just the funny guy. He's not just the guy that's, that's there going, make a joke of that. Um, Mm. That's what I love about you, mate. But ultimately, it was a different side that I was able to still relate to and warm to. And it was, it was lovely to see the emotion Mm. coming out because it, it made me feel, okay, this guy is human after all i you know because i i see you as a very intelligent man i see you as a well-learned man knowledge is power as george said in the last episode you have that in abundance um and you have a lot of things um that i look up to as a friend but seeing that side it made me think oh okay it was actually a positive uh, approach because you were um just laid it all bare on on the on the table uh, on that metaphorical table and it, it was actually I know it was a horrible time but it was lovely to see it really was yeah and I get what you what you mean that was a couple of months after the start of the breakdown yeah um and and yeah like in the past I'd just be the joker and in the sort of friendship group that we're in I, I I actually remember, so this is probably a few years ago, I remember having a big group conversation at one point and I was just making jokes and making jokes and like riffing on what people were saying. And even I started noticing, like, what, what substance is there to what I'm saying? 
Like, I'm literally just making jokes. There is nothing that I'm saying that is coming from he's, me. He's the Chandler. <laughs> he's the Chandler. And exa- you're the Ross. That's no, exactly it. And so, and, and, yeah, and I get what you mean. Like, that was my sort of, that was my role. And it was a bit of a caricature, I suppose. And the way that I describe people who have been through stuff to my clients now is like we're painting with a whole palette instead of just a few primary colors. So you would have seen the shiny yellow and the red and the blue beforehand because that's all I really knew how to show. And then when it got to uh, that that day when you came round, I was was in like, I'm not going to say 50 shades of gray, but I was in a lot of shades of mostly the dark colors, but also the dark rich colors that showed that there was more to me than joking and laughing around and i think i think i tend to intellectualize a lot of things now and try and understand things through reading and and through learning but back then that was the best and worst training i've ever had because i didn't choose to have it but i learned a hell of a lot from it and um and just figured out like new ways to speak and new ways to to tell people how I'm feeling and to uh, and people like you to come around and for me to say oh I've just I've, I've thought about doing this I've just tried this mm. and to, to just be able to have those conversations with you and for you to just say okay what do you need how yeah. can I help yeah. and to not turn away in disgust or tell me that I was stupid or doing the wrong thing or trying to guilt trip or shame me or anything like that which which not too many people did but there were some um but also by that point when you came around i was on antidepressants at that point um and i'll talk a little bit about that because i um i see that as a major regret a huge regret that probably no definitely extended the breakdown for longer than than it should have been um so the first time i went to see a doctor um she prescribed me um i think it was it doesn't matter what it was does it but but she prescribed me something after 10 minutes mm-hmm. and uh, nice. just gave, gave me these mind altering drugs after 10 minutes warned me a little bit about side effects but said they will settle down after a certain number of weeks um i took one and was dry heaving immediately and dry heaving through the next day and so I didn't take any more of those. But by that point, I was having vivid, um, vivid images in my mind. Um, I couldn't walk my dog with a lead because the lead suddenly became something much more than just a dog lead to me. Um, so that just really panicked me and really worried me. Um, so I went back to the doctor and I was prescribed a different set of antidepressants. Um, I ended up taking them for the best the best part the worst part of um a a year a calendar year with loads of different increases and decreases and different antidepressants tagged on and anti-sickness pills to deal with the nausea caused by the antidepressants sleeping tablets to deal with the withdrawals from the antidepressant and it was very much i felt like a um i felt like a bit of a a pill magnet at that point. I was going to say like a pick and mix dispenser and so on. You know, <laughs> exactly but, that. Yeah. I was given, I was given benzos, uh, which are very addictive. And um, I mean, they do the job uh, to some extent, but 
but I've, I've always been very straight edge. I've always been very anti-drug, anti-alcohol. Um, and so suddenly I was compromising my own integrity because I felt like that was what I needed to do. And I would read copious reviews online, which would alternate between these are the worst things ever, stay away from them, they will ruin your life, to this is like rocket fuel. I can now talk to people at parties and I would acknowledge the bad and I would kind of hope for the good. Um, and I would wait and I would wait and I would wait and I would wait for the side effects to wear off after four weeks, after six, after eight. And the time length that was mentioned kept getting bigger and I wasn't You're feeling any yeah, no. different. And that was so that was anger, I bet, would come through with that a lot. Absolutely. And, and what what the what the antidepressants did was they they numbed the feelings um but they didn't stop the vivid images they didn't stop any of the thoughts they they i couldn't speak to anybody at parties because i wasn't going to any parties because i was depressed um although i don't know if i agree with that term either but that's a story for another day but um i was overwhelmed i was overwhelmed so i, I couldn't really do anything but but yeah i see that as a major regret and if i if I could go back, I, I wouldn't have taken that first pill at all. Um, but yeah, by that point, when you came around, I was uh, probably about a month into them. Uh, so still in side effect city, um, but still very much doing nothing on the sofa, um, not contacting anybody, uh, not really doing much. I was playing a lot of words with friends. Um, and I couldn't sort download of, that app. I really tried. I couldn't do it. I was like, oh, anyway. well, I was, and, and just sort of trying to, I don't know, trying to apply for jobs, even though I still had a job, but yeah. trying to find a sense of purpose and trying to find something that I could hang on to that would get me out of this hole. Um, but that was two months in and it got so much worse and it continued to get worse. Um, and I think, well, I, I don't know where to go from there really have you got well, another question well yeah i was no i was gonna i was just letting i was just letting you run with it but um, <laughs> i ran out of steam no it was good it was i i was you know i felt like gary neville there you know just waiting for the you know for the continuation i got um, too passionate about the antidepressants and ran out of steam hey um but i think in regards to antidepressants that first initial meeting with the with the the gp um mm would would that would that basically be you could you could swap it to basically say well all you'd need really now is just a survey on a you know a survey monkey and then it will decide what drug you're allowed you know or <laughs> it, it just it just seems to me that and and we spoke before the recording um and and this is something that you can either discuss about or, or we can save it for another episode but mm. i just need to raise it watching the on bbc BBC iPlayer, uh, Stacey Dooley on the psych ward. Um, there was a young man that was, and watching it, you could just feel the the energy leaving him. He was very low, at a very dark place in him, in him, in his in himself. Um, and he, he, on on the ward that he was in, he was only allowed to be there for no longer than forty eight hours. Um, and after that, it's either you get committed or um, you go home and the, the the reply that the mental health nurse gave or the, the, the manager so the nurse went to the manager the manager pretty much 
younger than him in certain aspects, I think, basically just said, oh, well, I think it's best if we let the community help him. And and for me, it's like, well, okay, that, that sounds, okay, what help? Well, what what are you going to give him as support? Because, again, he was on the periphery of 18, and normally services do say after 18, well, you're an adult now, so yeah, off, over, mm. to, over, over to you, deal with it. I just don't agree with that. But what what are your thoughts initially on the the steps so you you've been to that you've been to the doctor you've been been to that moment where you're looking for purpose mm. what happened next with you after you the anger stage with the drugs you it's not working you feel as though these these drugs aren't aren't for me you're being stubborn which is mm. fine what happened next well, yeah well there was all these there was there were all these big feelings going around me which I couldn't feel which I couldn't somatize which I needed to feel so that yeah. I wasn't afraid of them but I couldn't feel um and and I did end up having some involvement with the community mental health team um which again wasn't great so I've, and this is I've, just your experience you know so yeah you, I, and I should mention like, that about the antidepressants yeah. as well that they do work for some people and that's great keep going keep yeah. doing what you need to do um i'm happy for you yeah. sincerely um but for me they didn't and for me the community mental health team just weren't what i needed um and again i didn't know that beforehand so afterwards i've i've got well into reading about trauma and trauma-informed practice and um not not unnecessarily diagnosing and stigmatizing people um and I can mention the book, Drop the Disorder, which I'll mention in the episode description. So I'm very much of that ethos if you read that. Um, but but trauma-informed practice. So I go into the GP and I describe how I'm feeling and I'm given something to supposedly remedy that. Rather than somebody asking what has happened to you, they ask what is happening to you. So I understand they have to deal with the present. And maybe the idea is to deal with the present so that you can then successfully deal with I don't know, the past or the bigger picture, if there is no trauma in the past. Um, but the lack of service, uh, the lack of um, funding, the lack of resources, the lack of time means that all doctors have is a 10 minute appointment with you. And I suppose they're under pressure and um, they do what they think is best. So they give me these pills and send me on my merry way and hope that everything is OK. And then the community mental health team become involved and um yeah that is kind of like a meeting every so often um they can come to you or you go to them in the community kind of describe how you're feeling and what's going on and i can empathize with them because i've been on the other side of that as a counselor yeah. where you desperately want to do something or you just want to help that person work through their pain but you can't do anything you can't physically do anything to take that pain away from another person. Um, we, as service users, will desperately reach out to counsellors and mental health press, uh, professionals and um, community mental health teams and doctors because we are exactly that. We are desperate. We don't want to be feeling what we're feeling anymore. We don't want to feel hopeless. We don't want to feel overwhelmed. We want to feel like life is worth living, but we want that person to tell us what we should be doing because we don't trust ourselves. How can we trust ourselves? We've completely exploded. 
Um, so, so we reach out and there's, there's kind of, a, I suppose, a rebuff or a professional, um, professional wall that's put up and it can come across as heartless or compassionless um, or at best, uh, sorry, at worst, <laughs> incompetence. Um, sometimes that's what I was met with as a service user. I remember speaking to a really lovely person, just a very nice, well-meaning, has probably gone on to help loads of people. But when I was sat there telling her that I was struggling to feel like a counsellor and she advised me to go to some groups because maybe I would pick up some clients there. Um, that wasn't the advice I really needed when I was telling her that I was in emotional turmoil. And I would have, uh, I would have other people sort of sit there wide-eyed like rabbits caught in the headlights uh, as I tell them mm. what I wanted to do to myself and what I was thinking of. Um, and they'd sit there and say, well, we think you're doing really well. And it felt really patronizing and it felt like I just hadn't been listened to at all. It yeah. felt like, like a I wasn't being, yeah. And like, I wasn't really being taken seriously. Um, but then in the interest of balance, um, there's two people who I actually wrote to the NHS to, um, to, to provide some positive feedback because, um, in a little army of people that helped me get to where I am today, they would, they were in amongst um i can mention their names i think so one guy was called gabriel i think he was in his early 20s uh from nigeria um and he was working with the with a mental health team and i went for a walk with him one day and <clears throat> i'd been kind of contemplating train tracks um yeah. and eyeing up train tracks nearby and gabriel started talking to me about his family and just kind of treating me like a like a normal guy and at one point he sort of said um oh i haven't had any dinner do you mind if i go in burger king <laughs> and i sort of thought no that's fine and i went in and sat with him and he had a burger king and we we were just chatting and i was thinking the whole time why are you treating me like this gabriel i'm awful i'm terrible yeah. i have all these awful thoughts of what i want to do to myself i have a family that i want to leave behind why are you why are you so nice to me and he didn't think anything of it he was just treating me like I was a normal guy so I was eyeing up the train tracks and then thinking well I can't do that to Gabriel and I know that Gabriel's probably not my number one priority at that time but just that 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 warmth that natural yeah. warmth and the compassion and the understanding and just him normalizing me as a concept was just beautiful and I love Gabriel and there was uh, someone called Joe as well, who, again, just treated me as if I was just exactly what I was, a normal person, and would talk to me about music and would tell me about um, her dad being a big fan of Elvis. And I told her some of some of the worst things that were in my head again. And I remember like a couple of days after she came back to me and said, um, I think I apologize because that's my that's my politeness. I'll say something. I just kind of unload on someone when I'm in crisis and then apologize a few days later and say, I'm really sorry if that overwhelmed you. And she turned to me and just said, yeah, it was quite overwhelming. I just didn't know what to say. And I really liked that honesty. I really liked that she wasn't pretending to be like this beacon of knowledge and to have all the answers because it helped address um, a bit of a power imbalance that I suppose exists in any 
um, therapeutic relationship, but particularly with community mental health teams um, and uh, any kind of psych psychiatry. I think that's all OK to say. Um, but that that power imbalance just just becomes for the benefit of podcast listeners. I'm doing things with my hands now to indicate <laughs> a scale being balanced, like putting a big grapefruit next to a pineapple balanced mm. so that power imbalance is is gone because gabriel's chatting to me as if we've known each other for years joe's chatting to me as if we're you know look at in some kind of music group or something and i'm telling them how bad i am and they're saying well you're okay with me you're okay enough to talk about music you're okay enough to sit in burger king with and that just meant a hell of a lot so um so yeah i I, I tried to engage as much as I could with them, but, um, and this is where I realized how extremely privileged I am that I was able to access private, um, yeah. private counseling. And, um, and I, I know a lot of people uh, won't be able to do that. So I had to take the whole year off work. So my family was supporting me financially. Um, and I, again, I know that a lot of people don't have that. And, uh, it's it's horrible to think of once you start in that spiral how difficult it is to get out particularly without financial support and without the extreme privilege that I have uh, as a middle class white male as much as the financial support um so there's some guilt towards that but uh but yeah I, I access private support I had a couple of different um counselors um the first one that I saw was um, was very positive. So I think it was based around positive psychology. And so I'd come around, come, come out of those sessions afterwards, just feeling great about myself and feeling great about life. And then that optimism would quickly fade. Dive headfirst into tar, attempt backstroke between pockets of air. It's too thick to decipher. Come back to me. If only I could turn the pressure cooker off to make it stop. But there lies the problem. All will cease to exist with the flick of a switch, not just the pain. I want to be happy. But I can't always see how. I'm dead behind the eyes, unable to open the window. Around a bar store, faded memories, half-baked chances, living's hard inside a carcass. And think, sometimes yeah. even by the time that I'd cycled back home, I was back into my thinking mode. I was back in the pit. Um, it was quite prevalent for me seeing that. I, I remember seeing that as well because we 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 made it a thing uh, going to the premiere of each Star Wars. Um, uh, and it was the, the last one, the worst one. Um, really? Yeah, well, it, it, it's it, it's rubbish. The, the new uh, the new the new ones are rubbish. Um, but um, yeah, we went to it, 
and it, it was a lovely event because it was like I was with you um, and and it was it was lovely. But I remember driving co- coming to collect you from the train station and mm. you'd, you'd just come from a session um, and you, you'd gone through the therapy session. Well, that and was my word. that that was with the the third therapist, I think. So that was the good one. Yeah, but, you were you were um, you were so optimistic. You were like, yes everything's getting better and you were like that and it was it was lovely to see but it was the initial 24 well the 12 hours later uh where you just got up you probably had a bad sleep on my couch but anyway that's because you, you stayed over thanks um but yeah it was it you you weren't as as vibrant as lively um as 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 you were the night before uh which is, which yeah. is fine which, which is fine um but uh, as i say it it was that it was that balance of um, emotion, emotion running through you, probably. Um, but, but yeah, uh, that's why I could. That's just a memory that came that came to me. Yeah, and um, that was the third one. So yeah. that was when I was, I was. I think there's always kind of, well, maybe not always, but I tended to get a post therapy high. Yeah. But with the second one, I went to see somebody with regards to CBT. So part of my part of my coping during the breakdown was just to read and read and read and again look for hope in the hopelessness and I would read about all these different um you'd write as uh, well you do a lot yeah I, I did some writing but I read about all these therapeutic modalities yeah. um some of which I'd learned about on my training but never gone through myself so I thought well I'll try these CBT um mentioned a lot and it's the government's favorite um but I went to two sessions i think and i was told again very well-meaning very nice um definitely works for some people but um i was told to make a compassion kit a self-compassion kit so get together all my favorite things and put them in one place so that when i was in crisis i could then turn to this and it would help soothe me um but my mindset at the time was uh i don't want chocolate i want to die (laughs) so i'm not going to make a compassionate the self-compassion kit so I didn't do that. I didn't get on well with CBT. I stopped that. And then I, I went on um, I went on a reading journey and I read The Body Keeps the Score, which has been mentioned a couple of times. Um, definitely mentioned by, I think it was mentioned by Holly, or maybe I'm just thinking of her because I lent it to her. But um, She hasn't given it back. The body, well, she can have it for as long as she wants because it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I read through that and, and um, EMDR was mentioned and something called internal family systems was mentioned so emdr eye movement desensitization rep i can't reprogramming i think i can't remember what the r stands for but it's it's basically a means of processing trauma and processing big feelings so not changing the past but taking the sting out of things that have happened so that you're able to talk about things in more of a narrative sense than feeling everything that comes along with it yeah um it's a bit like the difference between a podcast and a video version with the video version you get the video and the audio and with the podcast you just get the audio so pre-emdr i would think of some things that have happened in my life and i would feel all the same feelings um some of which were from little boy time some of which were from teenage boy times some of which were from adult times and i would feel the exact same feelings that those guys felt uh, even though i was well out of the time that the things happened if that made sense 
so I did a bit of EMDR and then I switched across to IFS with the same therapist and IFS is based um, on the theory that we all have different psychological parts to ourselves that have all been created at different times for different reasons so if I had a really polite part that polite part might have been developed because I had to be polite to a teacher who was really shouting at me. I felt like I had to be polite so that they'd stop, for instance. So that part then feels, aha, I kept Rowan alive then because that teacher could have killed him. So the next time someone even approaches anger, I will jump in and take over and I will save Rowan again by being really polite. So there's that part, but sometimes there can be really nihilistic parts. So I would have had a nihilistic part that that was telling me uh, that life isn't worth living and that I don't need to do anything and that I can just stay in bed the whole time. And maybe that's not nihilistic, actually. Maybe that's more of a depressed part. So that part keeps me in bed, which contextually isn't great. People say, get out of bed, get on with life, do stuff, exercise, work. But that part is keeping me in bed so that I don't go out and eye up train tracks. And so that part actually keeps me alive. So thank you very much, depressed part. But IFS helped me realize that all these parts were there and that I could talk to them and that I could empathize with them. And all these memories were coming up and I would put them away in my brain's filing cabinet. And I make that sound like it was really easy, but it was really hard because some of the memories were things I didn't want to think about. And again, the feelings were coming up and I didn't want to feel those feelings. And they would cause panic attacks and then the panic attacks would cause further panic attacks. And so there were times when I wavered with the therapy, but, um, but I'm really glad I stuck with it and I kept going right to the end. And again, I wrote a letter to that counselor and just said how appreciative I was and how, um, how thankful I was that she helped me. Um, and, and another thing that kind of happened, I think we're still on the question of what I did next. Yes, we but are. But this is another thing. So another thing that I did, uh, two more things, I suppose. The football, I think I mentioned in George's episode, you did. where I started yeah. playing football, just random group of men, didn't know anybody. They didn't know what was going on in there, which was crucial. Although I did tell one person, I just kind of offloaded. And then I told a couple more after that. But but mostly nobody knew that I was turning up not wanting to be there. And then suddenly I was getting praise and suddenly I was feeling like the footballer part was taking over. And just I was doubting myself in real life, but I had no doubt about what I was doing on the pitch. And I was rubbish in real life, but here I am capable on the pitch, um, just making split second decisions. So I'm not overthinking, which is what I was doing in real life. So just that disparity helped me realize that there, that I don't always have to be that rubbish version of me. I can be this guy. And if I can get this football guy closer to the rubbish guy and integrate them, boom, I'm more of a complete self. But another thing that I did, and I vividly remember this day, it was either pre or after a therapy session. Um, I went on Facebook. The um, but you said all you'd never is, go. You'd never all that is it. evil, and uh, and I would certainly never put a big post on there expressing any vulnerability or letting people they, into my life. But but I beautiful. did. They were. I did. Honestly, they were beautiful. I really enjoyed. Thank you very much. Reading every single one of them. They were fantastic. And if you do so follow the, Rowan, you know. Get, no, they're all back. gone. I, I delete. I deleted all of them. Yeah. <gasps> I deleted all of them because I wanted it to just exist in that moment and then kind of fade away. And if people want to know about it, they can ask. But I remember sitting at a bus stop. I think it was before a therapy session. And I just thought, 
I literally have nothing to lose now. I'm I'm rock bottom. I'm just going to tell people how I'm feeling. And in essence, that was me trying to control my narrative. And for anybody who was wondering what I was going through or anybody who'd seen me looking down or had heard things about me, I thought, well, I'm going to tell people exactly what's going on for me. And I'm not going to feel any shame doing it. And so I wrote this big old post and I just, I, I think I was as honest as I could be. And then I went to the therapy session and then I came out of the therapy session and I checked the notifications uh, because that's what Facebook's all about. And just overwhelming niceness and loveliness from people and nobody giving me any trouble, nobody telling me to be ashamed of myself, nobody telling me that I was wrong to feel the way I felt or that I was wrong to do the things that I was doing, just a hell of a lot of love and support and and people taking the time. Um, so of course I love the likes, but people taking the time to also message yeah. and people that I didn't really know that well, but were on my friends list. So people that I went to school with or people that I'd worked with just bouncing around different places that I used to work. And, um, and I've, I kind of, fast forward to now I've made really long like long lasting genuine friendships with some of these people um and I'm eternally grateful for them and I love them and it just I just helped me realize again that there was nothing that I was going through that made me bad or made me awful or uh, uh or kind of was a stain on my character again to go back to that paint analogy I was now in Technicolor <laughs> and previously I was a bit two dimensional if yeah. that. Um, so that was, those were really useful things that I did. Um, and I think that's all of the things. That's it. No, I, I'm just letting you, I'm just letting you flood. Uh, yeah. You know, flood with emotion. I think, as I said, it was lovely seeing those posts come up on Facebook. Um, and I think um, what what myself and Jade did, the wife did, uh, was we made you a little pack, you know, to to compensate what you were going through with mm. um, therapy. I, I don't know if you ever played the deal or no deal game that I, I sent you through, um, but there are some bits of that game that you must watch. If you can just get it on YouTube, <laughs> it's just the reaction to to some of the the blokes that are on it. They go, <gasps> and it, it's all staged. But but yeah, um, that 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 wellness pack, um, you know, I, I really wanted to make sure you got something through um however however small it was but i think seeing you now um and i think the the, the podcast has helped us to some extent but this could be another stage of, of your therapy because you had facebook and now and now the feel no shame podcast is another uh, avenue for you to go down to to enhance your therapy to 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 get yourself uh, either back to 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 a place where you feel comfortable or to even extend it to say well i'm 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 in a different place now and i'm i'm a, i'm i'm opening up more but you don't need to open up more if you don't want to i think you're, you're perfect the way you are um and i think you know what's coming next the 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 question um would be to say i, I think to be honest, I think you've already answered with the you've already answered it with the way that you've mentioned about your your, your younger self um, mm. and, and and all that. But um, is there is there a I'm going to change the question a little bit and then <gasps> I'll, uh, we're going to tweak it a tiny bit. Okay. Um, but if if there are um, any any listener out there 
um, that, you know, is at a point where they've, they've, if they're mirroring you, if they're mirroring you with, with where they are in life at that point where you just, yeah. know, right, okay, um, enough's enough. But what, what would you say to them? Um, and it, it, go as long as you want, um, go as short as you want, but what would you say to, to that listener or to the viewer? Um, if they're in that place where you were when I first saw you, it's um, it's a uh, it's a difficult question to answer in the sense that I would have heard the things that I'm about to say back then. Yeah, and I and, I I and I didn't believe up. them. Yeah. I didn't believe them. I didn't want to hear them, and it was annoying. And no one had ever been through what I was going through. So your advice won't help me, random people. But all of it came true <laughs> everything that people told me to do aside from certain things previously mentioned like the medication and cbt yeah and, cool. you know th there's never going to be something that works for everybody so would you um, say that's trial I, and error would you say that was part of your part of the therapy is actually going through the rubbish it is yeah yeah it is but i know that that can have devastating consequences yeah. sometimes and yeah. i would advise people to have an open mind. I think I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but have an open mind because what have you got to lose at that point? Um, try things, trust yourself. Um, trust yourself in terms of what's good for you and what's bad for you. If something feels like it's harmful and it's causing more, um, more distress than it is soothing that stress, then don't do those things. Do the things that bring you joy and do the things that fulfill you and do the things that help you find your own sense of purpose um i definitely say so i mentioned like i mentioned new friends from that facebook post but obviously there's the old friends as well and there's there's my wife and there's my kids and there's my family and i would say that by all means go out into the world if you can feel no shame and meet people and meet like-minded people but also meet different people meet people at different stages of um i don't know if i want to use the word recovery but i can't think of a different one so meet people at different stages and listen to what everybody has to say and don't discard anything because all of it is important um so i would say lean on the old friends too lean on the ones who stick around lean on the ones who see you at your worst yeah and again, maybe I shouldn't use the word worst. Maybe no, I should just say it was the best see, of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> the blurst of times. The maybe I'll say um, people that see you at your most vulnerable, people yeah. that see you at your most open rather than worse, because I don't want there to be any stigma. I don't want it to be I'm sad, so I'm bad. I want it to be I'm sad, so I'm vulnerable. I'm sad, so I'm open, honest. So stick stick with those people anyway, the ones that will help you when you're at your most vulnerable. Uh, vulnerable. Um, control your own narrative as best you can. Find things, find things that you enjoy doing that are pointless, that are absolutely meaningless. Because something that I did was I would try and overthink and I would try and find meaning in everything. And then I'd be playing football sometimes and I'd just kind of catch myself going, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm just running around kicking this spherical object. Why? Why am I doing that? And when I do that, I go straight out of play mode and straight into thinking mode. And sometimes you have to have the play mode. Um, it's Stop strategizing. Thing, just let yeah, go. yeah. Things don't have to have meaning sometimes. They can just yeah. be stupid. 
and they're probably the most fulfilling things. Um, talk, talk, talk. Unsurprisingly, I'm saying that. Um, but talk, talk, talk. Just keep talking. And no matter how banal you think what you're talking about is, no matter how um, silly or how dramatic you might think you're sounding, I guarantee you're not. I guarantee that everything you are saying is important. I guarantee that there are people willing to listen to you who will enjoy listening to you, who will enjoy hearing hearing a different side of you, much like you did with me. Um, read, <laughs> read, 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 to echo George last week. Um, people will have gone through what you've gone through and people will have successfully got through what you've gone through, guaranteed guaranteed there is an approach out there and there are people out there um let yourself feel everything but only when appropriate Makes so sense. don't don't feel yourself don't feel yourself back into the hole it's what i'm that's what i'm going hey, with hey hey um, it. it's fun no. and again lean yeah. on people see see um see these people as wanting to help you and wanting to support you fall down on them at times stumble and let them pick you back up if necessary yeah. i saw something really good the other day that said um these walls that you hit are there for a reason sometimes you need to lean on them and i would also say seek connection and don't see anything you're doing as attention seeking see it as connection seeking because that's just what it is um I definitely say, in, with regards to the talking, find your voice. Don't go echoing what other people have told you if you don't think it's right. Find your voice. Speak up about things like medication. Speak up if your support is not very good. Um, speak up if you aren't happy. If you're seeing a counsellor and you're not happy with the counsellor, speak up. You, you don't necessarily need to work with them anymore. You can go and work with another one. We don't take it personally at all. We just want the best for you guys. Um, we guys, I should say. Um, and I think just, just look forward to the day when you're able to look back. And for me, there was no epiphany moment. There are a couple of moments that sort of linger in the mind. Uh, can I, we've got a bit of time. Yeah. Um, and then we'll finish after this bit, but a couple of moments linger. So one of the the new friends that I acquired from the fate, the new old friend that I acquired from the Facebook post would quite often check in with me um, when I was going through massive withdrawals with the antidepressants. And I didn't want to talk to anyone about anything at that point. That felt as that felt worse. So that was at the end of the breakdown. That felt worse than the start of the breakdown coming off the antidepressants. Yeah. And so I would, We'd, we'd kind of uh, message each other sometimes and then I'd go quiet. And then one day um, she just sent me uh, a message containing either innuendo or I no, I think it was just two words, sweaty balls nice. for no reason, for no reason at all. And that was a moment when I thought, wow, somebody still wants to hang around with me, even though, they are relatively new and they know what I'm going through and they have no reason because this is how I would justify it with my old friends like yourself. I'd kind of think, well, I've been friends with them for ages, so they have to love me. So they're just <laughs> saying that they don't want me to die because that would impact on them too. And I would try and rationalize it away. 
And then with new people, I was what stumped. What a burden! What a burden, <laughs> Rowan is. I yeah. I was stumped with the with the new people because I'm thinking, hang on a second, you have no emotional attachment, you have no reason to send sweaty balls to me, yet you have because you want me to smile at that message and you want me to feel happy at that message, and you'll get nothing yeah. out of that. And and so that was one of the moments. And then another moment was when my eldest little boy was. Um, we've got a rotary wa- washing line. That's not a boast. Um, it's leaning slightly. But he likes running around, or he liked running around the rotary washing line just over and over again, holding on to it, a bit like a maypole dancer. Yeah. And at one point, I was sat out in the garden, just couldn't do anything, no energy, no enthusiasm, no enthusiasm, no joie de vivre at all. And my counsellor had said recently to me, recent to that day, when you feel like you don't want to do anything, that's when you have to do something. <laughs> that's when you have to do things. You have to listen to that voice, acknowledge it, and do the thing anyway. And so my eldest little boy said, uh, Daddy, will you run around this washing line with me? And I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I just, I can't. I'm I'm really, really tired. I, I just, I can't do it today. Um, and then I sat there for about two or three minutes. And I don't know what it was. It must have been that counsellor voice echoing in my head. And it I saw sweaty balls. It was the sweaty it wasn't, balls. It? it wasn't sweaty balls this time. It was no. the counselor. And I stood up and I said, Do you know what? I'm gonna run around this washing line. And I ran around the washing line. And everything in my head and my body was telling me that I couldn't do it. And I did it. And that helped kind of set a little seed of whatever the opposite of doubt is in my head to um that the, the next time when I felt like I couldn't do something, I could probably just do it. Like, and I make it again, I make it sound really easy. It was really yeah. hard, but I managed to do it. And that that those two moments are the two Brilliant. two of the biggest ones that I remember of the withdrawal times. Obviously, there's the kindness from yourself and others um, in amongst there as well. But for some reason, those two moments really stick out. I think it was because I, I found myself back in just dire crisis. And for some reason, those two um, those two little moments um live long in the mind and it's it's lovely hearing it it's it's like i've still got the card that you wrote me during that time um, i wrote you one as well i did you wrote, I wrote, my, you wrote myself and jade one yeah you wrote for both of us it was lovely i did yeah, yeah. i really appreciated everything you did and just yeah. I, and again as much as i saw as much as you saw a different side of me i saw a different side of you guys as well um in that you were able to support me and again stick with me do you know what it, it it actually felt like i was adulting um because it was an, an it was another stage of my life where i was i was with friends that are of, of of an adult age now and and just having to deal with that emotionally on our side seeing you know what what you were going through and so on but um i i i think uh, i think personally um with what you've been through um over the over the last 2 3 3 years nearly um is that it's admirable that you've come out and you're still smiling. Um, you're going to have your, your your anger days. You're going to have your you know your emotional moments and so on and so forth. But what what I love about it is that you're still here, and that's it. Uh, and and long may that bloody continue. And yeah, um, I I do too. And I never thought back then that I would get to a day. Um, oh, that's what. I, yeah, I was saying there was no epiphany. It just kind of. I just realized one day that I didn't want to die anymore yeah. and that I was looking forward to things in life. And 
and getting back into work was another thing as well. I should mention that um, that took ages. That took so long. And there were a couple of false starts. And again, the support around me really helped um, both professionally and personally. And I would literally pat myself on the back, like actually pat myself on the back after some of the yeah. first sessions after the comeback. And I was so proud of myself. And I like saying that. I don't think that sounds egotistical and I don't think that sounds boastful. I was really proud of myself and I am really proud of myself because I didn't think I'd get back to that stage and it seemed so far away. And then I did it. And I'm lucky that every client that I've ever worked with is just lovely, just wonderful. And they enrich my life as much as um, hopefully I do there. So I learn so much from them. Um, hopefully they learn from me too but just getting back into the work and getting back into a job that really validates me and yeah. really fulfills me and um, and just encourage me, uh, encourages me to keep learning and to keep working on myself as well to make sure that I'm the best that I can be for those guys too um, but yeah I'm really glad that I'm around as well um, starting a podcast that helped yeah yeah, that is it is therapeutic yeah. and it is it's a method of grieving um, as well. Uh, having lost someone to suicide, which I think we'll go into on a different podcast in the future. So we will come back for a second series. Um, give me a second series. series yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll do that. But having, having lost somebody um, uh, and and having known of people who have lost people by suicide it, it's devastating and the pain doesn't go away it just spreads out and it, it just kind of infiltrates every area of one's life and um and again it takes a hell of a lot of support and a lot of learning and a lot of knowing thyself to be able to cope with that but um takes but here we are here we are we're all still here and we're still we're still going we're still working we're still learning we're still improving and we're still friending mm. and we're still podcasting and i think it's 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 high time you plugged your because you you know our guests do plug what they do plug away who, who are you when your work time if anyone's listening that wants to get in touch how do they get in touch with you rowan yes so i have a website www.rowanlong.co.uk and then also, because I thought I didn't want one with just my name in it, I have the domain www.rowanlongcounseling.co.uk, which takes you to the same page. But I'm also on the counselling directory website. I'm on Psychology Today. They're, they both have counsellor listing pages. I am on Instagram at rowanlongcounseling. I've kind of been going off Instagram and Facebook recently, so I might be on there, but I might not be. Um, Ever since I've told the, the the viewing and the listening public that I, I've been on the the journey of losing weight on Instagram, whenever I go on there, all I'm seeing is these like really big a really big person and then <laughs> a really thin person right next to it. and it's and it's meant to be the same person but it's photoshopped yeah. um, and and all, that's all I'm seeing so someone's yeah. someone's listening at least um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I might be on there. I might not be. I don't think I've got the notifications on my phone. So if you do message me on Instagram, then I'll, um, I probably won't see it immediately. But I might see it on the times when I 
occasionally check it but email me instead rowan at rowanlong.co.uk um or i'm on messenger like i'm off facebook but i'm still on messenger so and i am happy to hear from people and as we often say on here we're not a crisis service but we're we're not going to turn people away if they just want to chat or if they just want to tell us how great we are (laughs) or how awful we are we'll take both yeah and and i think we're open to it because um the it's lovely hearing even from my side of the fence as well just hearing back from uh from from days gone by that i've never spoken to for 20 plus years and yeah it, it's lovely just getting back in touch with you know people that uh, that i i spoke to last when i was 16 17 it's, it, it, it's incredible this podcast has been an amazing venture um for for me and hopefully for you i've enjoyed doing it i i look forward yeah. to and it's it's opened my eyes to to how how easy it is to to set one up it's great um and it was a no-brainer we should have we should have done this ages ago um, well i needed to have a breakdown time. first well, i yeah. needed to get the breakdown out of the way but it's like the um dare i say whole thanks yeah. no, no, <laughs> maybe no. i'm glad i had it uh when i did in some regards because it meant i had a lot of time to to get it sorted hopefully and a lot of life ahead of me to enjoy um but i think the opposite of shame which we don't want anyone to feel is compassion and connection again that word connection and i think that's that's been a big thing like you said the messages and people reaching out and people asking to be on the podcast and people just explaining how useful it's been to them to hear people talking honestly um that's that's been massive for me as well um so thank you for all your help and i should say right now as well that i've probably forgotten loads of people or forgotten to mention loads of people who helped um a memory has just come to me of someone else sitting with me and watching dumb and dumberer um and i think we were both in a bad way that day so hopefully they enjoyed watching the film as much as i did and just chatting away but there's these just little moments where people have been my best resource people have just helped enormously and um and i'm in, like massively thankful to people basically dumb and dumber was the sequel or was it the was it the one that didn't involve jim carrey wasn't it the the, uh, the one we watched did have jim carrey and jeff bridges and i think it's really good again yeah i don't i don't think i've got very good taste in films because i enjoyed all the star wars i enjoyed all the dumb and dumberous I, I enjoy anything. It was no, it was um, it was good. Uh, didn't they call it Dumb and Dumber Two, but they spelt it wrong? Dumb and Maybe. Dumber T O instead of T W O. I don't know. But it was, I think so. I think you're right. I think that was on the promos. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're riffing now, but I think I think it's been an absolute app. Honest, honest to Betsy, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, doing this with you, sir, and uh, it's given me an excuse to, um, you know, just be with you for an hour it's lovely yeah we should probably keep talking in the weeks after this yeah. or should we just have radio silence until the next one uh radio silence does no no, no. <laughs> no, no, no i think no we're, we're always texting we're always sending messages about wrestling and uh random storyline generators just non just nonsense stuff and hashtags yeah. again just silly hashtags just, just, just be fun it's funny <laughs> sweaty balls maybe we could put that that's the name of the actual episode sweaty balls there we go mm, okay maybe not. maybe not maybe not but anyway thank you very much rowan 
for talking uh, and for getting this all set up with me. It's been a pleasure. No worries. For, for we'll everyone. do it again sometime. Yes, indeed. And just a reminder for everyone listening and watching, feel no shame at Gmail. Oh, uh, no, feel no shame pod. Sorry, feel no shame pod at gmail.com if you would like to get in touch with us uh, at feel no shame pod on Instagram and at feel no shame pod on the Facebook. Yeah, that was, I think they'll stay because I have to like de deactivate my Facebook and I think oh. my personal one and then, well, I'm, I could just leave it, but um, if I deactivate it, the, the feel no shame pod, uh, the posts don't get shared immediately from Instagram to Facebook, but then there's not going to be any posts. So if we're not on Facebook, we'll be on Instagram. That one will stay and we'll be on the email or write us a letter at we don't have a poster address. We do don't we? have a P.O. box, do we? Um, no, I, I'm definitely not giving my address out because, oh, I didn't tell you. Um, we got and uh, we got something through the post and I'm thinking, oh, it's it's about a claim or something. You know, I'm getting money, um, but it's actually someone else that's been charged loads of money that mm. they gave. They gave my address. I was like, oh, how dare you? Um, so I had to ring the I had to ring the people up saying, not me not me um and and they they forwarded it on to the right person turns they out believe that yeah it turns out it was one of the neighbors <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and i'm keeping that in anyway um take care uh and yeah and you remember, too yeah we'll, we'll return in time uh and remember to feel, feel no uh, hang on how are you doing this well i was gonna go feel or maybe oh, not. okay. We don't have to. Just go feel. No. No. Shame. Shame. Oh. <laughs> my, my ears now, but brilliant. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah. See you later, mate. Oh, where's my thumb? There you go. No Super League. No. Anyway. <laughs> And that's it for series one of Feel No Shame. We're both going to do our separate outros, so to speak. And it's been a pleasure being with you and being with Ro and being with all of our guests for the last eight episodes. And apologies in advance if you do hear a near four-year-old coming in asking to put Lego together. I'm balancing a bit of childcare while doing the podcast but um yeah it's it's been emotional it's been great meeting all these fantastic people that we've interviewed over the last eight podcasts and it's also been an eye-opener for me being able to hear the the open thoughts the open feelings just hearing everything come through on the podcasts and They've been an absolute pleasure to be part of, to edit and to produce across a, a, a global platform. It's, it's been brilliant. One for me, um, after my episode, uh, it's been uh, surreal getting back in touch with people that I, I never thought I'd hear from again. As friendships come and go, um, it was lovely reconnecting uh, with uh, a few of my old school friends. So hello out there if uh, you're listening to this and yes it's uh, been a great episode this one uh, hearing again from Rowan uh, just about being supportive and I'll always be supportive as a friend and 
I hope this has been some form of comfort um, to not only Rowan but to, to everyone out there that's listening if you want to get in touch with us please do feel no shame pod at gmail.com hit us up as they say on the socials via Facebook and Instagram and yes it's time to hand over for the final time this series to Rowan himself take care and remember feel no shame Again, it's Rowan, and I just wanted to say um, a few things as a way of an outro, but also because I realised that I missed out on so many things that I could have said, and I'm, I'm probably still going to miss out on so many things that I could have said. But um, but just some some sort of um, additional notes on the episode, I suppose. Um, and with regards to shame, I think maybe I didn't on the podcast which is named Feel No Shame talk about shame enough or talk about the shame that I felt Um, so when I was going through what I was going through and experiencing um, intense suicidal thoughts and maybe I didn't go into that enough as well it was it was basically the entire or an entire calendar year um, where every day more or less I would have suicidal thoughts and the intensity changed at times, that sort of waxed and waned, but the frequency um, and the consistency was always there. And it, it still blows my mind today when I think that for something that was on my mind so much um, back in the day, suicide is not even a, 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 like a fleeting thought in my head now. It's not, I mean, it's always an option for anyone, but it's, it's not a go-to for me. Whereas back then it definitely was. It felt like the only option. It felt like the necessary choice. It felt like the only way out of what I was going through. Um, but the shame came about uh, because I felt like I was letting my family down. I felt like I was not being the person they wanted me to be or they expected me to be. Um, I think I spoke in in one of the previous episodes about how I used to make a lot of jokes. I used to be the funny guy. <laughs> and the the cheerful one, the one that was always in a a good mood. And I felt shameful that I wasn't fulfilling that role, Um, that I now realize nobody gave that role to me and I never took that role, I never wanted it. But that that was who I thought I was and that was where I placed my value. And that also ties into me and my job. So being a counselor, I had to stop working and I had to stop working with with clients. I, I really, um, I really enjoyed working with and I felt, felt like we were doing some good work. I felt like we had very good therapeutic relationships and, and that, that was devastating um, for me to, to, to abruptly end. It was the ethical thing to do, um, but it felt devastating at the time. And, and the shame came in there as well because I felt like I'm a counsellor. I should know how to get myself out of this. I should know these things. I've, I've talked to people about this kind of thing. I should know what to do. I shouldn't be uh, floundering, I shouldn't be staying in bed, I shouldn't be unable to work. And, and I suppose a bit like uh, Dean's episode, it was those shoulds um, which really entered into my mind and, and, and took over. Um, 
And I think I mentioned to Al in the podcast that the, rather than seeing it as shameful, seeing those suicidal thoughts and, and, and getting through that time, um, rather than feeling any shame at all, I feel like it is, it's, it's enhanced my ability and it's just given me um, a peek behind the curtain, um, which, which helps me hopefully work with my clients now who will come to me with similar things. I can, can kind of say without saying, although some of them may be listening here, hi guys, um, I can say without saying that I've been through it, so not 100% the same as what anybody is, uh, else is going through, but I've been through something, I've been through big things and I've come out the other side, it is possible. Um, so there, there's, there's definitely a hell of a lot of, uh, a hell of a lot less shame. Um, a lot of shame came from came from seeing the people around me affected by what I was saying and what I was doing and um, and I, I, I do want to say sorry, I don't want to say it in a self-flagellating um, way at all and I, I, I do want to say it sincerely and genuinely even though I didn't have full control over what I was saying and doing I literally wasn't in my right mind I still do want to say sorry to all the people that were affected by things they saw and things they heard when they were around me at that time and I felt a lot of shame at the time. I felt like a poison. I felt like I was infecting people. I felt like I was ruining people's lives. I felt like I was really causing them uh, trouble and strife. And, and now I look back and I was, and I take healthy guilt, healthy responsibility for that. But I don't accept the shame. Um, I wasn't bad. I was, I was saying bad things. I was doing bad things, but I as a person wasn't bad and and I've come to terms with that now that took a hell of a lot of work too um, and that took a lot of patience from other people around me and that's something that I probably didn't mention enough as well uh, the patience of my wife the patience of my children the patience of my closest friends and family who never gave up on me and never walked out on me never abandoned me uh, never let me go even when I was pleading with them to let me go um, I really, really thank them, and hopefully I thank them enough in real life and not just at the end of a podcast. And speaking of the end of a podcast, this is the end of this series, I think we'll come back. Um, it's been really nice hearing everybody's feedback and just hearing the positive stories from people about how we've, how we've helped and, and how we've helped open up discussions and how other people are noticing uh, similarities with their stories to others that we've had on the podcast and it takes the heat off them it, it means again that they're not bad they're not wrong to feel these things this is a human feeling this is a reaction to overwhelm this is a reaction to huge intense stress it's a uh, it's a reaction to trauma um, so anything that me and Al can do Al and I can do uh, to help others we will so so hopefully we'll be back but until then uh, thank you so much to everybody who's listened and, and thank you so much to everybody who's contributed and to everybody who has, um, who has encouraged and supported. We love you very, very much and we hope that you never feel any shame um, and we hope that you'll be back for the next run, whenever that is. Goodbye. <laughs>